Everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Retro Gamers Podcast. Larry here, and um, conspicuous by his absence is Anthony this week. Uh, he's out of office, but we have uh, two great gentlemen on the show. Um, a podcast uh, just, um, well, not just, but been listening to. They're young in their years, but we got uh, Dave and Chris from one of the best titles and one of the best theme songs for podcasts. I'm not just saying this. Two middle-aged guys trying to work it all out. T-Mag for short. Chris and Dave, how are you guys doing? Doing great. Doing great. Doing great. <laughs> it's, yeah, well, now, it, really, there's three of us. There's three middle-aged guys right now. <laughs> yep. And in spirit, Anthony's with us. Totally. Um, wherever he wherever he may be. And uh, <laughs> But, no, we are very happy to be here, Larry. Awesome. Can't thank you enough for this opportunity. No, no. I, I first of all, I appreciate you guys being being able to come on to the show. Um, and and again, you know, kind of on my end, real quick. Me and uh, uh, Dave have been talking a little bit. Dave, you know, listened to the podcast, and we've been kind of going back and forth for a while. Uh, then he said he started a podcast. I'm like, send me the link. I want to listen to it. And again, so far, awesome episodes. Um, the uh, Ones to mention that are kind of along the line of retro gaming, uh, your TurboGrafx-16 episode and the arcade episode. Again, phenomenal. I'm not just saying that. I truly enjoyed it. Uh, makes it worth driving into and back home from the office now. <laughs> no more uh, working that, from home. That is so sweet of you to say. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, that, that's quite a compliment. But <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it all started with with Dave sending me an email completely out of the blue one day. And he said, we should do a podcast. And my response was just yes. And, and then after that, it was figuring it out and doing all that kind of thing. And and I know that your work and your podcast has been a big inspiration to him. And he turned me on to you guys. And the, the first moment I heard the Retro Gamers podcast, I thought, oh, Dave is the Larry to my Anthony. And so and it was. <laughs> Was just perfect uh so i'm sorry he couldn't be here today maybe someday we can do this again with the four 100%. of us um but yeah we're we're thrilled to be here to, to be guest host is wonderful and um I, i'm glad that you enjoy the episodes we we're seeing better numbers on our retro game episodes than anything yeah. else <laughs> so uh you know who knows in a year from now we yep. may be a retro gaming podcast part two there we go. I like it. We'll hire you. Super two middle-aged guys trying to work it all out. <laughs> um, right. And just a real, like the two of you, I mean, me and Anthony have known each other for, oh my God, almost going on 30 years. God help us. Uh, how do the two of you kind of uh, know each other? Like what was your history? Yeah, that would be, we'd be right at 28 years, I believe, Chris, is my, my math is correct, 25? Uh, no, so, no, we're, no, it's, it's, it's more than maybe that. 30. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's oh, good Lord. I, I forgot I was 46. Um, <laughs> that we were probably down at this point, uh, 36 years. Yeah, it was uh -huh. elementary school that we met. Yeah, oh wow, okay, awesome. Yeah, so been hanging yeah. out and playing video games ever since, hanging out, yeah, getting in trouble, watching John Claude Van Damme That's over right. and over again. <laughs> Yes, the blood. I did send that Bloodsport episode to a couple of my friends as well, and they love, who aren't much into gaming, but they certainly love Bloodsport, the movie, and they, they enjoyed that as well. Lots and, to love there. No, no, totally. And, and like I said, I love how you guys, your chemistry with each other, obviously knowing each other helps. Uh, me and Anthony, you know, we met in high school, and I don't know where you are in listening to our episodes, but the first time I actually hung out at Anthony's, um, I got mugged on the way home. Yeah. And I should have known better, but I didn't. <laughs> We're still hanging out from here on in. And I had a backpack full of Super Nintendo games. Oh, no. And they only wanted my money. I gave them 12 bucks. That's all I had. But thankfully, <laughs> they never checked the bag. Um, <laughs> so before we get further, though, where can they find two middle-aged guys trying to work it all out? So the primary place they can find us is to the numeral two middleagedguys.com. That is our website. And from there, you can branch off to our Facebook, our Twitter. You can get the episodes right on the website, or you can link to every possible podcast service under the sun. Uh, we're, we're on all of them. So that would be the primary place to go and then subscribe, download, send us an email, tell us what you like, tell us what you don't like, but to the number two middleagedguys.com. 
Awesome. And uh, with that, we're going to get we're going to get right into this week's episode, which is going to be a, a fun episode here. Uh, but before we get into the meat and potatoes of it, we do have a couple questions we do like to ask guests, um, the few that we've had on the show. Um, but uh, kind of like to kind of bring everyone up to speed as far as your uh, 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 gaming or retro gaming uh, lifestyle. So and the two of you um, actually you know what, hey, Dave, I'll throw this to you first. Um, what was your first video game system? The first video game system that I owned was in 1989. That would have made me about 13 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Under the tree, <laughs> uh, I opened up a very small, sleek Atari Junior, Atari 2600 box. Wow. And the of course, that's 1989. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, was the, it had a couple of different names. I think the Junior label was what's called in maybe some early marketing. Well, they just redesigned it. Yeah. It was the very nice wedge design, an attractive mm-hmm. console, to be sure. And I got, sorry, I, you know, I listen, I, I tell people this. It's not a shameful thing. I, I grew up really poor. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad struggled for years to keep, um, you know, meaningful work um, at, uh, as we were little kids. And it was, it was tough, right? So, Yes. Did I put the NES on my wish list? Did I show it to my parents at the uh, Montgomery Wards and Sears uh, catalogs that we would get at home? And I've got a Montgomery Wards catalog up here somewhere. Like, I know you and uh, Anthony also have those. Um, I, I did. I would show them the NES, right? Everybody had it. And, mm-hmm. um, but I, I also was realistic. I probably wasn't going to get it. So with my expectations being properly set, getting that Atari 2600 was incredible um i got i remember i took it in my bedroom my brother older brother helped me hook it up to a 12 inch black and white tv where i proceeded to play the first game i ever owned which was galaxian oh Uh, that adventures the guy adventures counter uh recommended that solid choice adventures Mm -hmm. counter guy (laughs) <laughs> I hope he's listening. Um, and uh, I loved it. And the crazy thing was, is I was able to, over the course of the next two years, take that little guy, that Atari 2600, and build that collection to well over 100 cartridges because people were giving them away. Yeah, that part, um, yeah. yeah. And my aunt, my cousin, uh, who was about, uh, I'd say, gosh, seven years older than me. He was getting ready to graduate high school at the time she was. She had an Atari 2600 she never played. And when she heard that I had one, um, they put it in the garage sale and uh, marked it down to like five bucks for me. Um, <laughs> and so I got like 40 games with a ton of Activision games, you know, your pitfalls, your uh, river raids, Superman mm-hmm. was in there. It, I mean, I got a, I had an incredible collection, easily over a hundred carts That's by awesome. the end. Um, and I could you know play them pretty well. Um, they have a very soft spot in my heart. And uh, I also got somehow as things got cheaper and cheaper, my mom and dad would love to go to flea markets because mm-hmm. you know, go like when you're poor flea market it's kind of like going to a museum <laughs> you know it's kind of <laughs> how it was in uh, i would get stuff like i get like the um coleco gemini atari clone oh yes, yes special controllers that look kind of like 7800 controllers yep. but they also had uh, attached paddles too it was the, the of all the atari controllers i've ever owned i did own a lot of them the nutsiest controller of all and the best uh made all atari games better made all paddle games better it certainly upped my yards revenge game um <laughs> i uh yeah i love my my 2600 i have a, a um have you ever heard of uh 8-bit books um no yeah, they do books? like uh, no they do like um visual and I'll, I'll grab one in a moment but they do visual encyclopedias of oh okay systems. i've seen books and, like that yeah yeah they, and they break down every book they yep. or every uh, every version of system iteration and they mm-hmm. they break down all the games and you know just like do a review of the game they talk about the history of the game who designed it i've got that and i'll go through and, and relive my memories uh on the uh, i got the 2600 and 7800 version of that book it's just awesome. it's a really fun happy time and it reminded me of uh uh, just you know when video games are at their purest form and exactly. uh and in the middle of that i also upgraded that tv that bad boy that uh 
13 inch black and white bad boy was upgraded to a 19 inch black oh, and look white. Out. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, now it's, that's when you were balling. And I was, <laughs> when, excuse now, me, I was a square <laughs> pixel trying to be a ball. That's what I that was is true. balling in its art. <laughs> really, we're no spheres. Sorry, uh, no evil spheres. auto. Uh, <laughs> uh, Chris, Good times, how, man. <laughs> uh, how about yourself, Chris? What you, what you start off with? Yeah, I also started off with an Atari twenty six hundred. Okay. It was the the classic wood grain front oh, model. Wow. Uh, yeah, like yes. the station wagon of of Ataris. Um, and I I skew a little bit younger than Dave does, so a lot of my memories of the Atari are trying to figure out ET. Uh, like, <laughs> like that that was kind of that yes. was my thing as a kid because I you know I loved the movie and so I had no concept of a bad video game at that mm -hmm. point. Mm -hmm. So I was just like I must be doing something wrong, you know, and just trying. <laughs> <laughs> to constantly figure out that game but i and i remember having like the star wars titles empire mm -hmm. strikes back really stands out in my mind because you're mm -hmm. the it's the whole atat -AT yep. fight scene um loved that um i i I remember there was one where you're two Jedi and it's just two lightsabers like battling it out i don't remember the name of that game oh but you know what um, i'm talking about i know exactly what you're talking about so at I was so yeah. young as a kid that it wasn't until I was like a teenager and remembering this that I realized, mm -hmm. oh, those were supposed to be lightsabers. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought they were just sticks of some yeah, sort. I had no <laughs> clue, even though it said Star Wars all over it. But anyway, so yeah, I, like a lot of my memories of Atari are are very young, and it's it's like yeah. me not understanding what I'm supposed to do. And and, and I'm kind of with a, you with that. Oh, go yeah, ahead. Sorry. I had a cousin who was quite a bit older than me. He was probably like 15 or 16 when I was this age. And he had a ton of Atari games. Okay. So kind of like Dave, we didn't have a lot of resources. So the games I owned were very, very few, but he would always come over with something new that he had just got and, and we'd plug it in and he'd sit there and help me play it. So those are the, the real heartfelt memories I have with the Atari. No, that's awesome. And and I myself basically saw it at Atari as well. And um, I kind of like Chris, like you were saying, like I just kind of fumbled my way through these games. I didn't know what to do with ET. I just I fell in a pit. I raised my neck and I floated <laughs> back up and I immediately fell back into the pit. So just like um, the movie. basically just exactly like the, movie. like the movie. I can see why it only took six weeks to make. Uh, so um, but yeah, you know, Atari always has that special um, uh, soft spot. Um, and when the Atari VCS came out and the world mocked me for pre-ordering and eventually purchasing the vcs um i i laughed back and i'm like but this is now the glory i have with that wood grain in front and and the official atari in front of me basically um so uh so jokes on you people who dare that's, laugh. that's right that's that was a gorgeous design on that system it's a gorgeous design I, it is a good idea just the business model wasn't there you know, it's it, it it works as well for um, yes nowadays. Well, actually, there was some. So I like to certainly pull the curtain back a lot. Uh, this is a pre-recorded episode, so we're actually recording this a few weeks before it airs. Um, so there was some news that actually came out here, which I'm sure we're going to talk about a few weeks prior with the episode that's going to drop normally. Um, that Atari and Polymega are teaming up. Really? Uh, yes, it was just it was just announced as of this recording. Uh, I don't have all the details. Long story short, um, you'll be able to get Atari games on the Polymega and they will make 26 and um, 7800 adapters uh, for the cartridge adapters. So you'll be playing them on there and you'll be able to play Polymega system through the VCS. Which means might have access because Polymeg is putting out like a, a cheap end version of their base unit, which is the CDs. And mm. that's, again, as we mentioned before, it's like 18 different systems CD base alone. And they're somehow going to be able to incorporate that into the VCS. So I might finally still get a Polymega, even though I canceled right. it. And there you go. Way more money than I should have. So <laughs> very um, interesting. I, I'm going to look into that. If nothing else, the, the business model that they're working it, it was really inter interesting for Polymega to see where that goes. It really is. Like nowadays, I feel like also like if you're into computing, it's a really good like second computer or something to program on because it's yeah. kind of based on that. Um, there's apps on there for just straight up computing and everything. So and it did have 
um, uh, or it has Xbox Cloud on it and uh, Amazon Luna and that wonderful Google Stadia before it disappeared. So it, it really almost was just acting as just like, you know what? I have all these systems. Let's put this in the other room. And we can still be able to play the games. And you're talking about you're talking about the VCS, the VCS, yes. Polymega. the VCS, yeah, yeah. yes, yeah, yeah. The VCS, um, it, it had what consumers. Now we're going far afield, but it, what it felt to me was like consumers wanted a plug and play retro experience with little dashes of modern flavor. Um, but what it was instead was a modern device that could do all kinds of modern f- things, but only with dashes of retro flavor right it seemed like they didn't quite get the mix right um it's, it's a real tough market and especially at that price you've got to oh which the price is required to get the modern stuff i think that um, i'm going to bring something up here that yeah. um you know people haven't talked about in a while but i think amico was trying to do that right they were trying to do that in right television okay yeah the um the, oh, uh, television what, amico what, yeah the television amico yeah or what amico. Uh, tommy tellerico was trying to do and um you know i i i know it's still like sort of in limbo and mm-hmm. you know whether tellerico is still involved or not is questionable i still think on paper that sounds like the one that could have had potential um because it, the vision it was something that i mean i have a house with you know, there's five of us in my home, two of our little kids. We probably could have all played some of those games together. And if it didn't break the bank, I would have certainly tried it. But that was the idea of it. And again, that was another one I pre-ordered, but I eventually canceled. And I did get my money back. But the whole idea was it was going to be a family system. It was going to be priced at like $180 for the system. The games were going to be, even though everything was, was digital, the games were going to be nothing over, I think nothing over an E rating. And again, it was designed for family and even came out and said, look, we're not competing with Nintendo. We're not competing with Microsoft or Sony. We're doing our own thing. And I think that sometimes it's smart unto itself. So you're right. It is the um, Amico is in limbo. I don't know what's going on with that. And then the Atari VCS, I think, also fell off just with lack of uh, advertising and some stuff like that. But I, I still love my VCS. So. I'm always going to go with that. So, Larry, the question's yes. back to you, sir. Bring it. No, I, 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 no, I know. <laughs> um, so we're going to go. Actually, let me go back to Chris. Uh, your favorite arcade game. Oh. You walk in. You had that wonderful episode there, Aladdin's yep. and the car wash. Or not the car wash, the gas station yeah. and everything like that. So what is your go-to? I think I know what it is, but let the world know. Yeah, you're not going to be surprised. It's it's Street Fighter 2. <laughs> um that that game and I and I think I said this on our podcast, if I could have like a lifetime hours counter, I would love to know how much time I've spent on Street Fighter 2 cuz it's it's shameful at this point. Is is what it is. So <laughs> and I'll take any iteration, Champions Edition, Turbo, I don't mm-hmm. care, but Street Fighter 2. Awesome. And uh Dave, how about you? Your go-to. Yeah. I, this one is also so similar to Chris, but I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna say I have a tie that I cannot break. Okay. Um, and one is obviously Street Fighter, right? Mm-hmm. We talked about it in a recent episode of our own podcast. It's just you know sort of the ultimate arcade game, it redefined fighting games. Uh, then the next would be um, Street Fighter the movie the game not kidding <laughs> I'm just totally joking. um the next one would be one I, I truly believe is the arcade game that made me someone who was very content with 8-bit mm-hmm. this arcade game made me say you know what i really need to get into the 16-bit world somehow like i'll mm-hmm. rob a baskin robbins or something <laughs> and, and get the money to get it and that would be golden axe Really? Uh, which, okay. Which was always calling to me in, at, it was at our local putt-putt had a, go- had a golden axe. It was at a handful of our local uh, grocery stores at the, at the uh, airlocks in the front. And then, of course, our uh, distinguished arcade, Aladdin's Castle in mm-hmm. Springfield, Missouri, had one. But um, that game was the Street Fighter. I wanted to stand there and play it in the arcade forever. Uh, <laughs> but I wanted to take Golden Axe home and play it and master it and see what secrets it had. So um, I've got to give a good mention to, to Golden Axe as well. All right, fair enough. I've always mentioned before uh, my absolute go-to without saying Ms. Pac-Man. Um, oh, let me ask you. This. All right, so, uh, and obviously I, I don't know where, so I'm not giving anything away, but like you mentioned, you guys are from Missouri, correct? So you're right. based out of, all right, I, of course, grew up in New York City in Brooklyn. Uh, but um, 
Miss Pac-Man, do you ever remember the sped up version or do you always remember the, just a normal version of Ms. Pac-Man? Because I feel like this is now like a um, uh, what do they call that? The uh, Nelson Mandela effect. <laughs> I do remember. I, I remember okay, a sped good. up version. Um, but but you are correct. It may just be I've heard so many stories of it now <laughs> that I've, I've implanted that on my memory in mm -hmm. there. Uh, but yeah, I and I remember it confusing me. Like, hey, this isn't the Miss Pac-Man I used Yo, to play. Way too fast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then, and then I I lost immediately, and I was like, I wasted a quarter. Ah, oh, yeah. I was so mad. <laughs> uh, so that's my memory of it. But it, yeah, like, and and there are a couple of other arcade hacks that I I feel like I stumbled into as a child and didn't really know what what was going on. Uh, because that that was a thing early on, like before people realized, oh, laws apply to video games too. Uh, they thought, well, yeah. I could just I could just change the code on this board and release my own thing. And that's how Miss Pac-Man basically came about. They yeah. made a hack of Pac-Man and uh, Namco, whoever was at the time, was like, uh, how about this? We'll hire you yeah. and we'll just make this into Miss Pac-Man. You put a bow. Brilliant. Love it. <laughs> yeah, basically. Uh, well, good. All right. I'm glad to know that I wasn't the only one who remembers that because I can't play a normal speed version of pa Miss Pac-Man. I will lose quicker on that than I will on a, on a sped up version. That's how adapted I am to that game. So um all right cool so definitely um one more thing here as far as and then actually got a good question about going back to the arcades but um and uh dave again we'll start with you uh what's your favorite game series not necessarily your game your favorite game but just series yeah you know this really i spent a lot of time thinking about this because i i was to my initial gut response i was so vanilla <laughs> but then i thought if you were to twist this around you were asking this question of anthony what would Anthony say? Oh, Zelda, 100%. Yeah. So I thought I shouldn't feel bad coming in and saying 2D Mario platforming games. Okay. Um, and I have a particular love for the ones on the NES, the Super Mario series. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the Mario World ones are fantastic as well. Um, and then in the 3D era, I think Sunshine and Galaxy are both are great too uh and then i think new super mario uh, is fantastic and uh what i've been noticing i don't know if you guys have noticed this but like on reddit or some of the youtubers as soon as they announced wonder wonder looks fantastic i mm -hmm. think everyone mm -hmm. would agree it was like about time because i was so tired of new and new looked at bad yeah. back in the day oh new was so generic one youtuber rg85 rgt85 kept calling it generic over and over and i'm like guys don't don't gaslight don't make up that it wasn't fun it was fun it was just it's you've been playing the same game for 16 years in various flavors which is true right the uh the first came out in for the ds in uh what was it 80 oh. Or 2007, I think, something like Probably. that. Probably. So, exactly yeah. Either. So, we've been playing the exact same game for a long time. Just shuffled up a bit. Mm -hmm. So, it's time for something new. But that doesn't mean you can't respect the past. Because New Super Mario was a ton of fun. But, yeah, I love Mario anything. You throw him in a sports game. Uh, you let him be a referee. You let him uh, play board games with the rest of his buddies. Uh, I'm down. But, but those side-scrolling adventure games, um, man, I just can't get enough mario illegal street prescriptions you know whatever it has yeah, to oh, be that, definitely yeah, yeah that's uh it's that's where i buy my street prescriptions <laughs> is from is from your neighbor mario <laughs> yes um is it going to be street fighter for you chris it, I just... no actually no? Okay. it's not no uh and and this is going to add some spice to uh -huh. the podcast uh because in the in the admittedly short time Spicy. i've been listening I don't think that you guys cover these games too, too often. But if I had to pick an absolute favorite series, it would be Final Fantasy. Oh, uh, I'm a go I'm ahead. A huge, huge RPG fan. OK, um, if I as much as I talk about the action games and that sort of thing, if I could only have one flavor of game for the rest of my life, it would be RPG. Mm -hmm. um, and I love sitting down to a 20, 40, 60, 80 hour adventure that I'm going to read more than I'm going to play and push buttons. But, but I, that's, I love that. And where that comes from is final fantasy seven on the original PlayStation. Definitive. That, made such an impact on me i mean when mm -hmm. i played through that game i felt like i just read war and peace i mean it was <laughs> like that level of storytelling 
Um, and so then that made me a Final Fantasy fan. And I went back and consumed all of the 16-bit, all the 8-bit, and then I've just been following the series ever since. And and uh, now I'm mad that I put off getting a PS5 as long as I did because Final Fantasy 16 is out and I have not yet got to play it. But, oh, yeah, that just dropped. Uh, yeah, yeah so I love, I love me some turn-based, boring old menu combat <laughs> RPGs. Um, Anthony, definitely into Final Fantasy. Um, and again, really kind of like seven on, kind of like what you said. It was mm-hmm. seven. I don't know if he's, I'm sure he's gone back and played some of them. I don't know if he has the Pixel Perfect collection, um, but uh, he's definitely into Final Fantasy. He's definitely in, between the two of us. He's more role playing. I dabble very small into role playing. My favorite RPG um, was Shining Force on Genesis. Oh, yeah, sure. Oh, my God. I loved it. Um, and that, as much as an RPG, but that instead of being turn based, is what now we know is tactical or tactics because I love Final Fantasy tactics. Yep. Never got far into it, but I absolutely loved it. Um, but Shining Force was my go-to, and Shining Force 2 was my go-to RPG. I don't know how I ever got it to begin with, because I definitely never was like, all right, like I don't want to spend, I want to go and, you know, kill things. Yeah. Um, but here I had to, like, I need to be more patient. Um, and then I'm hopefully going to start Shining Force CD soon. And my holy grail for a while was Shining Force 3 on Saturn, which I do have now. Oh, nice. So I'm going to start that. Uh, my favorite series, uh, again, just to throw it out to you guys and any new listeners as well, um, Mega Man. Always loved Mega Man series. Yeah. I mean, it, it's 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 a time-tested format that you really can't go wrong with. Um, and I'm well, unless it's the Battle Network series. Uh, <laughs> that was fair. <laughs> those I weren't crazy about. But the Mega Man one through eleven and uh, and the X series, just phenomenal. So uh, that's a good choice. Yeah, I, I no. love me some Mega Man. When Very when solid. those, you know, and whenever like the collections came out, which is like two or three times, always bought all of them because that definitive legacy one that came out recently was was the end all be all. So so, um, so follow up right. question to that. Yeah, go for it. Do you struggle, uh, especially with like collections or or with any systems, anything like that? Do you struggle with latency in in your Mega Man games, or are you able to just uh, no? I can adapt to this. Um, I, I, if there is latency, but well, you're talking about latency as far as like when I'm actually like, like input, like, you know, yeah, like imp- yeah exactly. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you push sure. the jump button and make it just, I'm so old. Seconds. I'm starting to forget. <laughs> Things no. are going. Um, no, I did in the beginning when I first started playing, I remember this vividly. I had a Wii now. So we're going back to Wii and the virtual console and I downloaded Super Mario Brothers for the virtual console. And I remember playing it and it felt off yeah. like by half a millisecond. Like very something that we would know as gamers, but someone else probably wouldn't realize. So I'm like, what is I, maybe I just don't remember the game like I used to. That's when I discovered the whole game mode on a television screen mm-hmm. on a television set. So that fixed 90 percent of it. Um, after that, I know a lot of people do complain about like input lag and stuff for some of these modern games or any of the switch online uh, games that they have. I personally never noticed that, especially for Mega Man. So, no, I, I with the legacy editions, I've never come across that. If it's there, I might have just magically adapted to it. Right. Um, the worst lag, at least on a Switch, because that's my go-to currently is the Switch. Um, worst gaming that had lag was the Genesis collection. Not the yes. not, not the Nintendo Genesis collection, but the separate one that was sold by Sega. Yes, that game I, had wicked lag. I noticed that too, and I was so disappointed when I got that. Me too. Yeah. Um, and I, I just threw it on a shelf and was like, maybe someday they'll they'll update it or something. But I, to my knowledge, they haven't. But you're absolutely right. That game had terrible lag. Oh, it was. Um, but yeah, terrible. I'm I am unfortunately super susceptible to that, and yeah. so Mega Man is always my go-to game to test. Like if if I get a new controller or anything, I'm like, let's load up Mega Man, let's see if this is good <laughs> or not, and then you know, then I can move on. It's funny I do that with Super Mario Brothers. Oh, uh, yeah. If I get like a new controller or something, I'll test it on that. If I can get through that first Goomba, I'm good to go. <laughs> so, um, all right. So we're gonna get into and and kind of talking about that, like with, with Genesis. Hey, can and, I ask one oh, question? Go for it. Go for it. Jump right in. Broke into the RPGs. I, I actually, I'll make two comments. The first Mega Man game I ever owned. I never played a Mega Man game, so I went out and I got one because my little video store was selling this copy for nine ninety five. Please don't that let game it be Mega, Mega Man, Man One. Oh, okay, good. Okay, yeah, <laughs> awesome. Uh, it, it, it was so stinking hard. 
And it's, oh, yes. uh, it almost turned me off the series because it was just so hard. I never beat it. Uh, and the next year I had enough vacation money saved up on vacation. I bought a copy of Mega Man 3, which, you know, to- totally changed the game. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. thought I would mention that. But you guys were talking about, you know, uh, RPGs. What is the earliest graphical uh, RPG that you guys can recall playing on a, on a home system? I'll, uh, I'm going to go back to Shining Force. Um, there really weren't, I mean, Zelda, but Zelda's action adventure. That's not really an RPG. It's not. Um, yeah. yeah, no. Um, but no, I never really, the, the one I remember sitting down to, and I got a Genesis late. Like I wasn't, I was always Nintendo. Um, me and Anthony were both Nintendo. Uh, but I got Genesis probably like when Sonic 2 came out, like around that time. So again, a little late into the series. But um Shiny, and I still wish I knew what prompted me to get it. But yeah, Shiny Force for me is the earliest one that I can remember. So, Dave, your question is earliest when we played growing up, not earliest when we've gone back and can still play. Is that correct? Earliest when we played growing up, yeah. Okay. It would be uh, Dragon Warrior yeah. because Nintendo was giving that away with Nintendo yep. Power. That's how I got mine. Yeah. <laughs> but I never yeah. played it. I played uh, it once, oh, and I was like, I'm we done. We played through it. Yeah, Did you? And, and, yeah. And, I re- and that was how I convinced my parents to get me a subscription to Nintendo Power because it was like, <laughs> it's a free game. It and was. they were like, are you serious? What kind of, you know, what are they pulling on this <laughs> this deal? But I convinced them and we got a subscription to Nintendo Power and Dragon Warrior came in the mail yep. and I put the game in and I was like, I don't understand this at all. Nope. <laughs> and but, but I, I, I kept, loved it. Yeah, but I, I kept, we kept going, you know, because back then when you got a game, you played it. I mean, there was That's no true. like, oh, well, this true. one sucks. Yeah. And so I, I, I grind grinded through Dragon Warrior and got to the point where I really appreciated it. And that's probably what, you know, when when I came back around to RPGs later in life, that that background probably helped me out a lot. Hmm. Much patience. Me. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, yeah I believe that the, the the story behind that that I've always heard, Larry. I, I hope it's not apocryphal. Is that um, you know Nintendo wanted to have a big splash with the game, uh, with Dragon's Quest, I believe, in Japan, mm-hmm. um, but they just weren't sure about its um, it, you know how it would be accepted by American players. So they did that limited giveaway to see what kind of buzz it generated. I, I believe it was that in my, I, I mean, I don't have the full off the top of my yeah. head, forgive me, and I would look it up, but I feel like every time I hit my laptop, everything makes noise. Um, So, but I think also it might have been just trying to get sales, you know, just mm-hmm. trying to, because I do remember them when they were trying, I forgot what I was watching, but they were trying to bring, when they were trying to start up Nintendo Power, um, yeah. and at some point they're like, look, we need to get some more sales or whatever. Um, They're like, you know, let's throw in a free game, you know, really nothing wrong with that. And I remember I had Nintendo Power before Nintendo Power. I don't know if you remember that. It was started off as a bi-monthly, um, I don't remember the full name of it, but it wasn't Nintendo Power, but it was just like a news, a Nintendo newsletter that came oh, out wow. every other month. And it was maybe like four or five issues. Wow. Then they switched. Did you Nintendo keep any Power. of the issues? You know, well, what happened, long story short, and this is not a sob story, so don't get me wrong, but in living in New York when Hurricane Sandy yep, blew Hurricane through, Sandy, yeah. took out, all my stuff was in my parents' basement. Yeah. And when Hurricane Sandy came through, they had eight feet of water in a nine foot basement. Yeah. So yeah. again, everyone's fine. Don't get me wrong, and it's in it's in yep. the past. But I lost everything. When you watch the newer episodes of the Retro Gamers and that collection behind me, none of that is original, <laughs> except for me. Uh, that's about that's about it. I've had to repurchase everything. Be that as it may, um, where was I going with that tangent? Uh, I forgot what I was talking about now. Thank you. So, um, yeah, so fortunately, all the magazines went out, but I did own every, all but one, every issue of Nintendo Power I had at some point. My mom forgot to renew the subscription. Oh. And the one month I didn't get was the DuckTales uh, issue. Oh, wow. That was the only one <laughs> I ever missed out on. Uh, other than that, I think I do have a copy of the very last issue at home where I'm at now. Um, but uh, yeah, Nintendo Power, that was my def- that in game. You know what? Like I said, we're going we're gonna to talk about stuff that I don't even have written down. Um, besides Nintendo Power, like uh, there was like GamePro and EGM, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. GamePro is great. I mean, Game Nintendo Power. Power was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Great writing. Uh, it was all Nintendo, of course. But um, I really enjoyed Game Pro. Um, it, even the ads were entertaining in Game Pro. You know, it's like, oh, okay, it's something new I haven't <laughs> seen before. And, 
Yeah, right. Um, I think, you know, it's funny. I think there was, I think I thought I read an article years ago about like how GamePro tried to get their, like, you know, their version of gaming magazine. It had something to do with, again, the way they did ads and stuff like that. Um, I love their, their rating system. Yep. The guy's head the exploding. Little, for, yeah, yeah, head exploding. Yeah. Um, and of course, every <laughs> April, Lame Pro. Yes. Was yes. Phenomenal. Yeah, you got your little, yeah, there's, there's some funny jokes in that. So it really and, was. Yeah. And then, so it's funny. So, like, to me, the top three, and I don't know if there's any others around in your area, but again, yeah, Nintendo Power, Game Pro, and then Electronic Gaming Monthly was like, GGM, yep. it was almost like Nintendo Power was Nintendo. Game mm-hmm. Pro was for like, and like, like a, a someone in their teens, you know, yep. kind of, and then EGM was more like adult and proper, and you know, yeah, whatever. you could flip through EGM, and <laughs> you could you'd get a lot more discussion around like the specifications of a PC game and mm-hmm. the experience that you would have under one spec versus another, and if you've got, and of course, going back into the nineties, and there's all sorts of esoteric hardware that certain dis- devices would need to, you know, to you know how many disk drives do you have and things yeah, right. like that, and of course, you know, um, it, it, it it was not my favorite, um, even being a more technical person you know then somewhat and as an adult much more i just didn't enjoy that conversation as much i would just rather have yeah. the mad magazine you know crack style that game pro was <laughs> uh, have fun with it and then the outstanding maps and guides that you would get inside nintendo power they oh were, forget about it you know i mean indispensable the metroid and zelda maps and mm-hmm. and metroid are critical i think um definitely but WGM was fine. I think there were a few others. Of course, now you got Game Informer, which is nothing but a big commercial, which is fine, right? I get I it. And uh, I flip. What's that? I forgot about Game Informer. Yeah. Yeah, I still flip through it. Now they've raised the price this coming year. Another mm-hmm. an extra. It's an extra five bucks to get your physical copy. Mm. You know, I like physical magazines. I think they're cool. I I'll keep it around, and I rarely use the benefits. I probably should, but I rarely do. And uh, but yeah, Game Informer is okay. I would say. Um, that you know, I would criticize Game Informer's writing, but there's such little writing in it. It's mostly ads and pictures, yeah. you know. <laughs> Which it, might say so a lot for today's day and age. It does. It does. You know, I, I can get most of the gaming news that I need in about 15 minutes uh, with YouTube. So, you know. Do you remember remember issues that came with demo discs? Yes. Which is mostly Xbox yep. and PlayStation magazines. Yeah. Yes. Yep. And then yep. PlayStation moving again. I'm sorry, this is just now told something. Ah, yeah, you good? Then, I love it. And then PlayStation basically moving from a physical magazine to demo discs. Yes, yep. Yep. and then that was like the whole thing. And in fact, and Dave, you'll like this. I picked up on eBay recently uh, the ish. I don't. It was the PlayStation demo disc that featured MST3K. And, no way. Yeah, and it was uh, it was uh, uh, with uh, when Bill took over. Uh, so it was a sci-fi episodes when Bill took over yeah. as, as Crow. And I, if I remember correctly, I think they even riffed a couple of like either game commercials or like, like gameplay of like a first, a first now level. I'm going to look this up. Yeah, no, I did purchase that and I was going to send it away to get autographed, but I didn't want to lose, like risk losing it in the mail. So, um, so I, I held on to it, but definitely if you can find that, check that out. So that's pretty cool. That's very cool. Um, and to try and steer this back on, because I know Anthony's probably having a conniption if he's watching this, knowing I'm not, I'm going off topic. Uh, one of the things I do want to mention is, and we kind of, you kind of touched on it before, you know, we started with Atari, then we moved up to Nintendo, then we were talking about Super Nintendo and Genesis. That, I mean, nowadays it's almost, we take it for granted, the generation jumps uh, with these new systems. Like, you know, we're going from 360 to Xbox One and then Series X. You're just like, all right, it's starting to look realistic, but we're like, we're expecting it. Excuse me. Where back in the day, going from Nintendo to Super Nintendo blew my mind yeah. as far as what the graphics were like. Do you remember when we were going? And Chris, I'll throw it to you first. Do you remember when we were going from eight to sixteen bit? Um, whether Genesis or Super Nintendo, and when you saw what the future had to hold, and were there any games where you're like, "Well, I'm enjoying this on the prior system. Right. This would be awesome if it looked in you know raging sixteen bit graphics." Yeah, no, absolutely. I absolutely remember that, and I remember the mostly because of the commercials that Nintendo pushed out. Mm-hmm. Um, and and in those commercials, they always would feature Super Mario World, which looked leaps and bounds better even than Super Mario Bros. Three. Mm-hmm. And I vividly remember that giant bullet bill sprite 
that they would feature on the yes. commercial and and just blowing my mind being like how could we make something so large on a screen right. we we have reached the pinnacle of humanity i mean that was pretty much the way i felt about it as as a kid no, so no I, I definitely know that yeah yeah i i could not wait to have a super nintendo um and, and unfortunately I, I did wait for quite a long time <laughs> but i i you know i had a friend who was one of those kids who you know parents got him absolutely everything mm. he wanted so he had not only did he have the super nintendo but he had like every launch title that came wow. out even sim city and i was like why'd you buy that but uh <laughs> that, so, that was a weird one to have because i remember having it too and i'm like i don't want to build a city until i learned the million dollar code and yeah like, no right, i and, I play this and like now i love it i love that game but at the time you know i was like well this this is lame this is not mario (laughs) you and Um, i chris had that on your pc too yeah we yeah we did uh you know we we dabbled a little bit in pc gaming uh which is a totally different topic Mm. but um that that 16-bit transition i i i was just blown away by what it could do and um i was certainly excited about mario world but it, it it didn't I don't guess it really like connected with me ironically until I got a a Genesis with Sonic and Sonic, the first Sonic, the Hedgehog still one of my favorite games to this day and just the raw speed. Like I couldn't believe how much faster that game would run versus like a super mario world and i i would say super mario was the better game but Sonic just impressed me just technologically. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think they did a really good job showcasing that versus nintendo and so like mario impressed me visually but sonic impressed me gameplay wise i got um you know and then you you you've heard our stories with the turbo graphics 16 (laughs) that was actually our first dip into the 16-bit world because that's what we ended up being able to afford um yeah but you know growing up and especially now as a collector you know i've got all of them and and i've sat through all of them Mm -hmm. um and and that jump was astronomical you know i mean you talk about we kind of expect the generation leaps yeah i would go so far as to say the generation leaps are kind of not impressive anymore um you know i can see what he's talking about ps4 to ps5 i think your leap isn't graphical your leap is like load times which is right. uh, okay that's fine um, yeah, immersion capabilities right right you, but ar and stuff like that yeah. yeah yeah but looking at nes versus snes i mean that that's a leap. Yep. All right, cool. Yeah, I would go so far as to say, Chris, with that, that if you put a good Xbox 360 game up against a good Xbox X game, of course you're going to see differences. But are they differences that really like change your experience? Not really. They just look better. So yeah, yeah the technology, they got to find some, they're finding new ways to express the power of the technology because the graphics just, and, and frankly, the realer they get, the creepier they get. So they, <laughs> you know, it's, it's that uncanny Valley where we're, 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 we're right deep down in that right now. So I agree but, with you on that because I read it real quick. I'm sorry. I, I remember they, they put out on the Xbox series X, they put out a demo of unreal engine five, of uh the matrix yeah uh, when, when that new recent matrix came out i won't lie it blew my mind the way it looked i mean it looked like you were walking around an actual city but you're right like nowadays I, i'm not I, i'm gameplay you know what i mean i'm not really worried about the visual though i will harken back to old school like i'll prefer old school actually i mentioned it a couple weeks ago real quick when super mario brothers wonder was even before wonder was announced when the nintendo direct was announced and everyone was clamoring, oh, a new 2D Super Mario, new 2D Super Mario. In my head, I'm like, oh, we're good. maybe we'll get like an old school 2D 16-bit, maybe not 8-bit, but a 16-bit Super Mario new game. And then I thought to myself, ah, but it's, you know what, even though I want that, it's 2023. So I get the new, you know, having newer graphics. So like when Wonder was shown and, and announced, I was like, all right, that's perfect for the Switch. Um, but the gameplay looks like it's the same. Where a lot of times with these newer games for Xbox and for PS5, which is really just a glorified PS4. It <laughs> when I got the PS5, there is now no reason for me to turn on my PS4 anymore. Now I just own it to own it. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's to me, it's still the core gameplay. Yeah. yeah. You know, and that that kind of desire for the 16-bit look, I think that's really being filled by indie games now. You know, and True. 
and you've had that explosion and the people who gravitate towards that kind of stuff. I mean, you know, they, they've got shovel Knight, they've got Shantae, they've got all these different Mm -hmm. uh, things that kind of scratch that itch. You know, I, I think Nintendo has always really smartly positioned themselves as saying, we're not the, the best hardware, but we're the best experience. And they really, they do really well in that market. So I think, you know, I, I'm not. I was not surprised that Wonder was announced and that Wonder looked the way it did, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to harkening back or, or doing something like that. Um, you know, and I, I really think to me when I see Wonder, I see the Super Mario Brothers movie. I think they're really pushing towards that kind of visual. I can style. see that now. I didn't put two and two together on that one until you just said it. I can see that. Yeah, I think they're leaning that way. Uh, Dave, do you remember that leap from, I mean, that leap from eight to 16 or, or, you know, going from Nintendo to somehow you guys grabbing a turbo graphics, which still boggles my mind that two people, everyone (laughs) knows one person who had a turbo graphic. The turbo was interesting and I'm, I'll kind of, I'll speak to turbo and then I'll set it aside as I go a little deeper into this because the turbo was interesting to me. It was about the mystery because there wasn't games on there that we really recognized or knew we had knew we knew of splatterhouse mm-hmm. because it was in the news right it was it was yeah. you know during the time when violence and videos so we knew of that because of that and we knew about a little bit about bonks because we saw it in game pro a little bit at legendary axe for we had also seen it in game pro and other things but for the most part the games were you know blank blank slates to us i mean what mm-hmm. were they they could be you know you know, what would JJ and Jeff really be like? You know, you, well, we found out yeah. just as odd. Um, but so there was that mystery that was driving us towards that system. The, the, so and there were no expectations other than, um, you know, we knew it looked colorful uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, and and these would be unlike other games we had played. And, and it, it, it truly held up in all those regards. For me, going into the 16-bit era... I had had my Super Nintendo, or excuse me, my Nintendo, and my next stop was, after about two years, um, amassed eh, sort of kind of a collection, not much of one, just because we didn't have a lot of money. We mm-hmm. rented a ton, mm, and, yes. um, you know, unlike my Atari, I was able to buy them dirt cheap, wasn't able to, so I probably had 10-ish games, something mm-hmm. there. Borrowed a lot of games. Most of them I returned, Chris, I, I believe. Um, <laughs> That's true, yeah. <laughs> uh, but... Uh, when I looked at it, I was looking at the Genesis. What I was thinking was that machine is going to let me play the the arcade games I love at home. Mm. And I will be able they'll look just as good. They will control just as good, but I will be able to, you know, play them anytime I want and as much as I want without a bucket of quarters. Um and so and I saw that. I saw that with uh certainly we had mentioned, you know, Golden Axe. I mm-hmm. saw that with um Afterburner. I saw that with uh, Pit Fighter. Somehow, God bless Pit Fighter. But I hate it, that game. It's doing its best it as can. But it's yeah. Um, I saw that with mini games like uh, you know, what uh, Commander. What uh, my, my mind just went blank. But um, yeah, I saw the arcade experience at home. Okay. Uh, I saw the three button controller as being all right. Now I can have all three buttons for uh, for Golden Axe, right? And then potentially, you know, in the future, Golden Axe 2. I saw Altered Beast as what a genius pack-in game. And you had mentioned that in the last episode about the potential, you know, um, the potential oh, yeah. risk of putting a game with some you know, darker imagery, if you it, will. And, yeah, it was basically the Bible Belt that uh, yeah. causes uh, Sonic to be the new pack-in yeah. game uh, we because of the, that demonic. The belt, well, there you go. I live, like, I live by the Sonic. third buckle. Yeah. <laughs> 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 right yeah right there yeah uh no it's uh um uh it, so to me all i could think about with 16 bit in particular was arcade at home mm. right and then with the gym, nintendo i was a little less engaged in the nintendo um because i first of all i had nintendo and i was mm-hmm. like well these look pretty similar just you know just a graphical upgrade but you know same games but i did have interest in a couple series in particular i was very curious about where mario was going to go uh because i thought mario 3 was like the pinnacle of gaming it's like where do they go from here i mean they made a movie Uh, around it essentially with the wizard yeah 
So yeah, they're right. A big uh, one giant commercial. Yes, Rift by our friends. Oh, uh, Mike great, Billy and Kevin. Rift I do. I, I own uh, that one. Yeah, <laughs> and um, and then you, you know we also you want to see where Zelda was going to go because mm. it had the incredible uh, Zelda, and then you had the Adventures of Link, which was different, not bad, but different. And then, you, you know, what are they going to do? <laughs> what are they going to do with this next edition? And so there was mystery there. And then, of course, like, we're going to get a new Metroid. You know, is it going to blow our blow our minds like the first Metroid did? So I really wanted to see that progression as well. So I had very different interest in both systems and things I was looking forward to. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, yeah, I, how much deeper do you want to go or do you want to keep well, asking well, around? You actually, you, 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 you kind of touched on a point. Chris kind of mentioned it a little bit before as well arcade you know bring the arcade home um and and for that part that's where you almost get the super nintendo versus genesis um and even though again being uh, nintendo um heavy on our end yeah genesis definitely did better with uh any arcade versions or arcade ports uh and i forgot exactly what you said chris on your episode about arcades but you did mention getting the home versions of like street fighter 2 um but i just forgot which one you preferred in all honesty so it, uh, I, I would probably go with the genesis version okay um yeah and and even though in this it's it's a lot crunchier in the soundtrack than the super nintendo version mm-hmm. you had the the six button controller which i think was far superior uh, to the nintendo uh, super nintendo controller that's okay. blasphemy to some people ears, but <laughs> i'm sorry that genesis six button controller is phenomenal i'm just so um, used to you know my fingers there on the you, top right, you got those those but those it was bumpers. hard for street fighter i'm not gonna lie now you're I, right it absolutely it was had, yes but there was you know and also going from that brick of a three button genesis controller mm-hmm. to the spelt six yes. button yeah i mean it, it was just to me like that was a bigger revelation than like a 32x was um, okay <laughs> and, and so when you combine <laughs> when you combine that six button controller with street fighter i mean that to me that was the that was golden okay um absolutely i was gonna say dave you know your, your comment on that um so like your go-to with street fighter say would be probably oh boy look at those <laughs> oh there's yeah, a couple examples there we go Here's the so, uh, here's the eight bit do knockoff. This is really the Saturn knockoff. Those are which, good ones. Let's be real, guys. The Saturn and the Sega Genesis six button are almost the same control. They're tweaked. And they're basically. Right. I, um, yeah, I think they put out one that you can use in both anyway. One they, one company does one. Went, maybe not yeah. them. Maybe it was one of the other ones. I forgot. And then this is a Nyko ripoff of the Super okay. Nintendo, which is just okay, but it's wireless. Um, but is uh, looks so tiny know, on that one. It does because I think it's because the overall probably the, yeah the controller is bigger, <laughs> but the D pad actually looks pretty similar to my other one. I'm, I I feel like I'm in a a, a thrift store <laughs> closet here. You know, Chris made a good point uh, real quick with the Genesis three button controller because you know these mitts are not designed for for tiny controllers, but when they shrunk it down for the for the six button controller, uh, it was much yeah. more comfortable yeah. uh, to use. And uh, who put it out? Uh, uh, maybe not Hyperkin, but somebody put out a six button Genesis controller sized as the three button genesis controller oh wow oh, really yes i forgot who it was whoever's working with sega who puts out official is it uh, a uh, uh, retro bit maybe might have been retro bit yes thank uh, you yeah, uh but yeah it's just so that's size a big controller button, but it's yeah very very <laughs> it's kind of like when the xbox came out the yeah, dude yes. was yeah, enormous my god <laughs> never understood that the, the type s controller that they came out with was was wonderful and i thought yeah was one that generation's controller mm-hmm. um it was fantastic even better than the great gamecube controller um but that, <laughs> so that many buttons was, in so uh, weird places uh, it's just kind of yeah it's like a puzzle um <laughs> but i do have to ask this guys we're talking about we're talking about you know the 16-bit mainline controller mm-hmm. wars okay right and you've got you get this guy right here the six button Stay genesis here. six button genesis fantastic face games mm-hmm. for fighting mm-hmm. right then you've got the response, or shoot, that's the response, right? There was a three button, yeah. and they came out with this. Then you've got the original one here. I'm showing up, uh, you know, the Super Nintendo version, Super yeah. Nintendo, right? Super Nintendo. I'll make this case. Out of the box, was they weren't thinking about arcades. They weren't thinking about a no. specific game experience. What they were doing is doing what Nintendo always does. They were innovating, and they came up with a face four button face mm-hmm. two side triggers yep. and a way to control games comfortably across multiple genres 
that would last the whole generation and then we'd keep up with whatever arcade action happened to come in yeah. the genesis folks they made a wonderful controller here but they just responded they responded to their three bitten con controller which they put together because at the time they needed three buttons to play all their arcade hits so i would argue that as much as i love the six button the, the, the folks at Nintendo, and they have, have a pattern of doing this, they were innovating when they mm -hmm. did this design, just like nearly a decade before that, they innovated with their gamepad design and did, did away with the joysticks. And then a few years later, they innovated with the N64, brought analog in the, in the trigger yes. configuration. Yep. And then they innovated again with the GameCube. And then really, <laughs> we... <laughs> so you know, you see, there's a pattern there. So as much as I love and I respect the six button, mm -hmm. I have to go back and say there's a reason why Nintendo didn't have to respond. That's because they built a controller that would work in all seasons of that system's life, and it was really smart. But one last question: this may be a real, technical question. On, just real quick, uh, and my feeling with the six button Genesis not only responds to Nintendo, but a response to gaming. Like when Mortal Kombat came out, then like you had to use. A uh, six-button controller, so I feel like they also just needed it for gameplay. It was absolute they necessity. Yeah. yeah, they were they were doing more. They were more forward-thinking. Nintendo has mm -hmm. always had vision, right? I think they're not perfect; they make mistakes. But yeah, but I want to ask one question, maybe a little technical. But you put these two guys up of these two controllers. We'll, we'll talk factory editions, not uh, these knockoffs. <laughs> Which of the two would you want powering your homemade submarine that you're going to take down to the bottom <laughs> of the ocean? Um, well, I got to imagine that the uh, six, but the Genesis version, at least you have everything right there in front of you. So you don't have to worry about maybe yeah. any, uh, you know, it's more thumbs than fingers. Um, but uh, quite frankly, I mean, for $250,000 a pop, um, I would imagine maybe go with that six button Genesis controller uh, and maybe uh, rebuild a, a better ship. <laughs> yeah, well, that's fair point, Chris. I, I'm Fox? gonna go. I'm gonna go Super Nintendo for the reason I want access to as many buttons at once as I can have if I'm piloting a submarine. It's yeah, like that seems like that's a good call. That seems that's like true. something I'm gonna want. And that is a good true. call. Yeah. Or um, they should have done what the Ghostbusters did and use an NES advantage. Yes. Come on now. Yes. If it's good for the Statue of Liberty, it's good for a little <laughs> crappy submarine going down to the Titanic. Well, oh, that's, uh, welcome yeah, to the I mean, retro the, gamers. The reality is, guys, is that the uh, the Genesis controller was only rated to depth of ten thousand feet. You would have <laughs> had to with with the Super Nintendo. It could get down to eighteen thousand feet. So, well, there we go. Oh, I love it. Um, well, then you know what? Because actually, we're gonna we're gonna start uh, wrapping things up here. But uh, again, I'm just gonna throw it out. Now that we're talking controllers, what's your favorite controller design? I'll tell you mine. Mine's the, the N64. Absolutely love the N64 controller. It, it's an excellent controller purpose built for that machine. Mm -hmm. um, you know, yeah. and if you if you're going to compare it to other controllers, it's going to lose. But but I see what you're talking was, about before what, using it for the way it's meant. Yes, you know what I mean? Yes. Uh, if you're using it for the way it's meant, it's an excellent choice. Mm -hmm. um, if I had to choose a favorite controller universal, I would pick the DualShock 4. Okay, um, I, I think that was a really, really well made. Well, okay, it wasn't well made because they break all the time, <laughs> but it was a a very well designed mm -hmm. controller. It's very comfortable in my mitts. All right, Dave. Uh, I am going to have to do two because I'm going to do pre analog and post analog. Oh, look at you! Just, what is so going I know. on here? Um, I, I would say simple in question. The, I mean, in the analog world, <laughs> we're I, not I'm a smart go, podcast. I'm just letting you know. <laughs> I'm going to go with the, the, the Xbox 360 controller. I find okay. it very comfortable and very capable, and really just does what I think it, it, I need a controller to do. You know, funny. Um, enough, just real quick, I'm going to uh, interrupt you again. Hyperkin put out a 360 designed Xbox Series X controller. Yes, I saw that. Yeah. I think it's yeah. a very wise move. I think they called the Xenon so, or something like that. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I'd say, well, gosh, pre-analog days, I mean, there's two that just come to mind. Um, but I'm going to give it to the six-button Sega Genesis. Okay. Uh, the runner-up would be the NES controller. Mm -hmm. I loved it. Something about the squareness just 
always felt right. <laughs> but um, but yeah. I'm, I'm going to go with the uh, the six button Sega Genesis or the Sega Saturn, were virtually identical controllers. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, but I thought, as far as um, you know, just not analog, they, they really killed it. I mm-hmm. never got to use an analog Sega Saturn though. I, w- I would love to see how it is. No, I You're keep not- seeing. Oh, I'm sorry. You're not missing much. <laughs> Wasn't very good. Did it's it have so an really analog kind of like the Dreamcast? Is that it? I heard so the it, thumbsticks. It, like... it curves inward down like a V, which makes it very awkward to hold. So, oh. like most controllers, you're holding like this. That controller, you hold like this. It's very bizarre. Yeah. Uh, I got one. I can, I'll bring it over next time. <laughs> yeah, but I it looks like it a out. disc, right? Is, isn't yeah. that the big circle? It, yeah, right. And they and they did the analog for Nights into Dreams. Yes, uh, which which to Dave's earlier point was a response to the N64 because mm. yeah. the when Mario three or Mario sixty four came out and we had this three D control with an analog stick, then Sega with their Saturn was like, oh oh, we don't have that. We got we got to design something. <laughs> Um, you know, and made a, an interesting controller and an interesting game, but it was it was a reaction, and I, you know, so that's something interesting that you see a pattern emerging now. With I, I absolutely, and that's kind of my business is I do this in technology, not in video games, but um, <laughs> that's how I kind of enjoy video games. Now is looking through the lens of other things, and uh, you know, Nintendo they have their losses to be sure, but my goodness, they have some great innovation stories behind uh their, their products so it's really Anthony, cool stuff anthony would kill me then if i didn't ask for your comments on one of my favorite game systems that nintendo <laughs> put out that a lot of people may not be fancy about that would be the virtual boy the virtual boy i tried the virtual boy once and i i wasn't sure if it was my uh migraine headache or uh, uh upset stomach was going to get me out of it first <laughs> i i feel like it was ahead of its time uh and that the technology was not ready but okay. there was a good idea i think that if they would had invested like five years of r&d and worked on some of the issues and actually truly made it a, a portable device mm-hmm. then um you could have had a functioning you know vr headset um in you know the uh bef- before 2008 mm-hmm. um but i just felt like they came out with something too soon it was just too limited um and uh, th- you know it, but certainly it's a, it's an interesting experience um but uh if you're in all motion sick or have migraines <laughs> boy stay away from that <laughs> chris you haven't get a chance to try one I've tried one. Uh, it's it's a hole in my collection. I wish I had one. Uh, tough, yeah. It, it well, it not only is it tough. I mean, you can get a, a working system for a reasonable price, mm-hmm, but the mm-hmm. games are just no. Insane. That's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, but I, I did try one in the store display and of course I, I don't remember how old I was probably 12 or 13 when that came out. And since it said Nintendo on the side, I was like, mom, dad, you have to buy this for me. And of course they said not on your life. And and that was the end of that. So <laughs> I, and I, we've told the story before, but I'll tell it again. And this is true. And as to why, especially in the first year, maybe first two years of the podcast, uh, I, I, I hate saying this, but we had the hashtag VB sucks uh, that Anthony and a friend of the show started, uh, Charles. Um, I I got Virtual Boy like day of or maybe that Christmas, maybe that Christmas. And I loved it. I love this stupid thing. And I brought it over Anthony's. I'm like, hey, you got to try this. So this is like 95, right? 96, maybe 95. Put it on. I set up on the table for such a uh, you know portable device. Had to break yeah. his legs out and set it up the whole thing. And he you know he sticks his head in and he played maybe like ten minutes and he just goes, "This is the worst thing I've ever played in my life. This thing is terrible." I'm like, "You don't know what you're talking about." <laughs> I take it back and I'm playing it. And uh, to this day, he never never enjoyed it. Um, uh, whereas I truly, bad. truly loved, and I think one of the biggest misses Nintendo did was not releasing Virtual Boy games on the 3DS. I know I was waiting for that the entire life of that system. Honestly, that would have been perfect because I, I will, and again, I've said it before, I will put um Wario Land Virtual Boy in like a like a massive top 100 list that will de- I, that might even for me might even be somewhere in the top 10 because that platform no was phenomenal forget about the 3d look to it just the gameplay to it was one of the best virtual boy games of all time and one of the best platformers that unfortunately a lot of people are never going to play yeah <laughs> so, too bad um but with that we'll wrap everything up then and um 
you know, guys, truly, thank you very much for being on the show. Um, tremendous help, first of all. And just, I, I really love you guys. I love your show. And our, the way me and Anthony talk on the show and we reminisce about things. That's what I love about you guys because you guys have known each other for so long and it's just a conversation that you're having and I feel like I'm part of that conversation. So again, thank you for being here. Uh, well, our pleasure. Yeah, thank you, Larry. You know, I started listening to you a few years back. First episode I found, I was I needed to take a walk and I wanted to listen to something that wasn't news and I found you guys. I just picked an episode. It was the, I believe it was the first appearance of Jake Jack uh, when he was talking oh, okay. about emulation. And, <laughs> yes. uh, and I listened, I was like, this is pretty good. And I just <laughs> kept listening. Um, and so I was a fan and um, you know, when I reached out to you and said, Hey, you, you were starting a part podcast and, I, and I'll explain it to you. Uh, I'll explain to your listeners as, as I did to you. I've always wanted to do a podcast or a radio show. I, I had some, mm. some aspiration for that. And you could see me on video. You could probably tell why I was sticking to the audio <laughs> hey, side of that, that world. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I never really had the courage uh, and mm. wasn't sure where to start. And as I was listening to Larry and Anthony, I, I recognize that this is a new world that the technology has democratized who can write books, who can, you know, do video production, who can be on the radio quote marks podcast. Mm -hmm. And we could certainly give it our best shot. And I reached out to my friend, Chris, he said, yes. And, uh, you know, and here we are several episodes in and now having a crossover with Absolutely. my favorite podcaster which is <laughs> okay. you have no idea how much this means oh, to me but I, mm. I want to thank you you and anthony inspired me you answered questions i would bounce stuff off of you about just stuff what to do what not to do and um i want to thank you for being my friend you, you didn't know me you didn't have to help me but you did and that's so cool and anytime you want us back for any reason we will be here um and we cannot wait to set up the episode of team ag where you guys come on our show yes. and we give you guys a hard time for an hour and a half or whatever a hundred percent so forward to it looking forward to it well thank you for those kind words truly that that will i will always be humble where like i, I just uh, i am not good with praise i cannot accept praise so hearing those kind words uh truly thank you very much and uh, i'll never get used to that just knowing that i was able to get help someone start their journey of this podcasting that basically I got started because I was listening to Kevin Smith to his podcasts. So that's where I got my start from. So uh, thank you both truly um, again for listening, for being on the show. And one more time, let the world know where they can find you guys. We are at, Oh, nope. you do it. You do it, Dave. <laughs> All right. Oh, fine. Shoot. I lost the contest. <laughs> Go down to your computer in the living room or in the closet. Uh, you probably have it locked. Control alt delete and then put your password in. I do not know your password folks. I am kidding, of course. Uh, we can be found on password. Facebook. Uh, two middle-aged guys on Facebook. That's numeral two. Just search on that. You'll find us. We are on Twitter. Uh, hashtag, or, uh, we are at two middle-aged guys. Two, the number two. But the best place to reach out to us. Also, you can find us on, on all the different podcasting sources. Apple, Google, YouTube. You name it. If they got a podcast... We found our way in there. Um, but if you, for our favorite place, go check out our website to the number two middleageguys.com. And from there, you're going to see stuff about our podcast, a little bit about Chris and I. Uh, I occasionally write stupid essays, which are very stupid. You can come read them and <laughs> shake your head at me. Um, and then shoot us an email, shoot us your thoughts, either on social media, on Twitter. Um, and if you, you listen to the show, you like the show, subscribe, leave us an email or, or leave us a review or two, because those reviews are what drives the algorithms that get us noticed. We're not here to make money. We're not here to get the HelloFresh ads, but HelloFresh, if you're listening, you I'll sell your <laughs> crappy microwave beef or whatever. No, we're really not. We are here because we have something like the retro gamers, right? We have something we want to talk about that we're passionate about, and we want to talk to you about it. That's it. No strings attached. Just having a good time. I love it. So you may not get HelloFresh. You may not have, I mean, to step on you, you may not have HelloFresh, but wait to get that Manscaped. Uh, oh, the Manscaped dollars. That's, I'll tell you about cool. that later. Uh, and uh, with us, of course, you can find us again pretty much everywhere this podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Retro Gamers Podcast, on Twitter at Retro Gamers Pod. Uh, because we're on Instagram, I'm sure we have a threads now. So um, you can find us there also. Of course, here on YouTube, hit that thumbs up, hit and uh, share with everyone. And both 
Retro Gamers Podcast and two middle-aged guys trying to work it all out. Yes, give us those five-star ratings. You can tell us you like us or you hate us. Just give us five stars. That's all we're looking for. And, of course, you can email us, email at theretrogamers.com. And even though this episode is a bit out of order, I am going to say this because we didn't review a game of the week. I'm sure we did one last week. But in honor of these guys, Street Fighter 2, any version you got, if you have nothing else to do this week, go out and play Street Fighter 2. And I'll be at the gas station taking on all comers. <laughs> I'm the fat guy playing Chun-Li. Only Chun-Li. I'm, 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 my go-to is Chun-Li as well. And you know, Chris, who's your go-to in Street Fighter 2? Uh, Ryu with Chun-Li is a second. Interesting. So. Very cool. Yeah. All right, folks. And with that, we will catch you everywhere next week on the Retro Gamers Podcast. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye.